hearts of people. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give him a praise offering once more here this morning? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. So good to see every single one of you. It's good to see. I believe this second service is growing a little bit in, uh, in attendance, and so it's good to see you coming back. If this is your first Sunday back in weeks, we welcome you with open arms, and so so good to see you. And for everybody that's online this morning, allow me just to say good morning. We love you. We're glad that you're watching with us here today, and I pray that just as much as we feel a rich presence of God here in the sanctuary, I pray that everyone feels that as home as well. And so I'm so glad to be with you here this morning. If you would, get your Bibles out with me. Let's go back to James, and let's go to James chapter number three. I'm just going to continue on with the message series, Coming Back Stronger. Week number one, we were coming out of adversity, so we talked about in that adversity, let's just grow in what God uh, wants to do in our lives. Whatever he's working uh, on in us, allow that to happen. Week number two, come on, let's keep growing. Let's deal with all of that hard stuff inside of our lives, some of that stuff that's hidden and some of that things that are dark. Let's go ahead and allow God just to, to help us out and really to, to be able to work within our lives. Week three, we talked about being empowered by the Holy Spirit Church. Let's be a spirit-empowered church. Amen. Let's live spirit-empowered lives. Week number four, we talked about uh, Ben having strengthened faith because strengthened faith is active faith. Well, today, as we continue on in this beautiful and powerful and challenging letter, we're going to talk about the weight of our words. So if you'll go with me, go with me to James chapter 3. If it's okay, I'm just going to dive right on in and let's begin reading in verse number 1. James writes to the church, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong against it. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes these grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Come on, James, tell us what you really think, all right? What are you, what are you thinking here? Verse number seven. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And we have all been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Let's stop right there. 
Now, church, at this point in James's letter, he has put a strong emphasis on our actions, on our behavior. There is no doubt that living out our faith in a strong and productive manner is only going to happen if we choose to walk in it each and every day uh, with our decisions and just, and just our demeanor and everything about us. We know without question that our actions, our deeds, all of our behavior are many times the best presentation of the gospel that you and I will, that we will give. For people will be more likely to listen when they first see something genuine taking place in our lives. Can you agree with that? If people see something real and something genuine in the way that you treat one another, in the way that you treat others, in the way that you go about doing your daily business, in the way that you react to things and, and all the things that you do, if you're doing that in a genuine manner, people will see that and they'll be more apt to listen to what you're going to say. So absolutely, our actions are significant in our Christian walk, but that does not negate the power of our words. I love the way that the Holy Spirit has anointed James to write this because he's hitting areas in our life that we really need to look at. Really, we need to do so often. Yes, he's driving home our actions, our actions, our behavior. It is so important and so significant that what people see in us, but nowhere, in, nowhere does he say, forget about what you say because that doesn't matter. Our words are powerful. I believe our spoken words are the greatest tool that God has given us. And when we talk about spoken words here today, or talk about our tongue, talk about our words, I'm not just talking about what we speak with our voice. I'm also talking about what we write down. Because whether you say it, whether you write it, or whether you type it, it is a word that's coming from deep within. It's coming from your heart. So when you look at this chapter, this very challenging chapter to you and I to build our faith, to strengthen who we are, to come back stronger, just know that this is significant because our words have much influence on how our day and how our life unfolds. Now, I want you to see here in James's letter, apparently during this season of adversity for the church, the believers are having issue controlling their words having issue with their conversations, having issue what has been spoken in their attitude and with their opinions and things of that nature. You can go and you can see in James chapter one, verse number 19, he wrote, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. That is an important verse because it paints the picture in our mind that something's not right with their spoken words. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, If you claim to be religious but do not control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I believe I brought that scripture out three times in the last few weeks because it is such a powerful, powerful scripture because it's telling us we can be saying and, or we can be doing all kinds of things that look right, but if our words are not pure and if our words are not led by the Holy Spirit and if our words are coming from a place that is not of God, they can be very destructive and it is telling us that no matter what it is that you're doing, it means nothing if your words aren't lining up with that. So it's powerful. You get to James chapter 2, verse number 12. So whatever you say, whatever you're doing, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. So again, talking about the emphasis of what we say and also what we do. Now for some, or perhaps even many, 
there may have been this temptation to justify all that had been spoken during these adverse times. But nevertheless, James is compelled and anointed to write to them in a manner that not only brings attention to the subject, but also brings this level of correction with it. Now, here's why I love this chapter so much, because it's just real. It's real for you and I, because the struggle of controlling our words is very much real, I think, for every single one of us, right? I think the struggle is real. We have all been at that place. Now, I'm not saying that we're, we're all a bunch of losers and we all keep speaking the wrong words. I'm saying the struggle, the struggle of our words can be uh, very real. And so with this, I also love this because James, when he's writing to us, remember, he's writing to build up the church, to strengthen the church, to help them come back stronger, to help them come out of this adversity. He's helping them to be where God wants them to be. But with this help, he's also calling attention to the things that need to be called out. You know what? And sometimes, let's just face it, we do not like to be called out. There's those areas in our life that we know need attention and we know that it's not going to feel the greatest and we know there's going to be a challenge and we know there's going to be a correction and we know that's going to be something that causes us in our spiritual self to go, ouch, I don't know if I'm going to hear that right now. We don't always want to call it out, but can I tell you, it is important that we call those things out. So James does that here and he says, okay, church, I've talked to you about your behavior and your actions and your deeds, but I really got to talk to you now about your spoken words. So he does so, and I believe it's so important for us to receive from this. He really talks about the weight of our words, and he gives some great illustrations, and we're going to see them here. We've already seen them as we've read the text together. But let me talk about three specific areas. And the first one here is words of guidance. Words of guidance. You go back to verse number three, and it says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And then that rudder on that huge, huge ship, that huge vessel, it helps it turn in the direction in which it wants it to go. From the very opening of this chapter, we see that one of these issues here perhaps is that everybody had a word and everybody had an opinion and everybody had something to say. And they wanted people to receive it as truth. And this is right. What I have to say is right and you need to receive it. And so they all had maybe this attitude of just really uh, portraying themselves in a manner that they had the perfect word for everybody. Now, if we study this time period, we're going to understand that they had all of these scholars and they had these places in the city squares and the people would come together and they'd give these compelling speeches. You know, he said grand speeches there in the text. They'd give these speeches and they'd give all these philosophical ideas. And it seemed as though there was this attitude of prestige and authority that came along with it. And so James is writing to the church because somehow, some way, that attitude now has carried over into the church. And so whatever is being said and whatever is being spoken, James is challenging them and he's correcting them to really grab a hold of it and take responsibility and allow the Holy Spirit to lead them. Now, he was very direct because when we go back there to, to verse number one, he gives this warning and he says, brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers. In other words, he's really emphasizing that you need to take responsibility for what you say. Nowhere in here does he say, do not use your gift. 
Nowhere in here is he trying to scare you away from using your gift. If you have a gift of speaking, you need to use it. If you have a gift of teaching, you need to use it. If you have the gift of encouraging, you need to use it. If God wants you in the classroom, you be in the classroom. If he wants to lead you to lead a small group, lead a small group. If he wants you to stand on the platform and preach the word of God, you better use the gift that God gives you to use. Amen? But use it and be responsible for what God has given you. That's what he's speaking here to the church. He talks about how, how you're going to be judged by that and how God's going to hold you in, in, this, in this place of where you're going to be accountable to what you say. But not just for the pastors and the teachers. It's for all of us as we continue to move on. Now, I love how that follows up because I'm just going to be real with you. When I read that first verse, there is a very much a reality inside of Pastor Steve that says, okay, not many of you should become teachers. Okay, I see you guys. Because <laughs> you know, you think, who am I? Who am I to get up before the people? Well, again, you got to use God's gift. But I love the way verse two comes along because it says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. We have all made many mistakes, right? It said, for if we can control our tongues, we'd be perfect in every way. We could control everything. And we know that's just not the case. But what James is telling us here at the beginning of this particular text is that we need to be responsible. And when we speak, let's speak with words and know, knowing that our words give guidance to how our day is going to unfold, how the circumstance is going to unfold, how the relationships around us are going to unfold. Whatever atmosphere that we're in, our words are powerful when it comes to guiding the direction in which you and I are going into. Face it, we have to be responsible for what God has given us to say because we know if we're not careful, our words, we're going to see in just a moment, they can be hurtful and they can cause brokenness. But let's look here just a moment talking about these words of guidance. Look at the illustration of the bit and the rudder because this is perfect. I, okay, there, let's go back there. One more. You're a little bit ahead of me. They're trying to preach faster than I'm preaching. Okay, here we go. The bit and the rudder. Both of them are small. You know this. And I know you may not ride horses, and you may not be someone who gets out on the lake or has a boat or a ship, but I think we can all understand this illustration. Both are small, but they yet have great power. And James tells us that our tongue is the same. The small bit controls the most powerful of horses. Now, every time I think about this, and you've probably heard me say this before if you've been around and heard all my old man stories, but when I get to this passage thinking about this horse, I think about a moment years and years and years ago. I was a youth pastor. Michelle and I, we loaded up the girls in our Suburban, and we headed out to California to stay with her dad. And so while we were out there, at this point in time in life, he and a, another guy, might have been a couple other guys, they had a racehorse. And of course, they wanted to take us to see this racehorse. Now, let me put a disclaimer. I don't own a racehorse. I don't go to racetracks and I don't gamble, okay? I don't do that. And so, matter of fact, when we went, I said, Michelle, I don't know if we should go or not because what if someone sees me there? Hey, we're in California, okay? So we load up and we go and we get there and guess who's there? ESPN, ESPN's all over the place. And I thought, this is how crazy I was. I was thinking, somebody from church is watching ESPN right now because they're betting on a racehorse and they're going to see me standing there and I'm going to get fired when I get back because someone thinks I was there, you know, betting the church's money on this racehorse. <laughs> I've had all kinds of scenarios going on in my head. 
But we were there, and I got to tell you, we got to go down to where the horses were before they came out into the track. And I was just in awe of these racehorses. These were incredible machines. I mean, you could just see as they would walk, it was almost like they knew what they were getting ready to do because they were like some of you. They were just flexing as they walked out. You know what I mean? They were, I'm just kidding you. Just, you could laugh right there. All right. Someone's like, Pastor, saw me doing that this morning. They, they just flexing as they walked out, almost like they wanted you to take their picture and wanted you to see them. And I thought, man, these things are absolutely beautiful and powerful. But yet set on top of them was this tiny little man, and he was the one that was going to guide that horse. <laughs> Pastor Cody said, you looked at me when you made that remark this morning. And I said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But I got to thinking about it. I was like, this guy and those reins, and there's not a whole lot more on that horse. And he's going to guide this incredible, majestic animal, you know, around that track at a very high speed. So, yeah, I was in awe. And at this point in time, I forgot about who was watching ESPN from the church. I was just watching it. And, of course, we were excited, you know, and the horses take off. Now, here's the ironic thing to this story. Ed's horse gets all the way to the other side, and we're watching on the screen so we could see because we really couldn't, you know, see him when they were on the other side. We're watching the screen, and we're like, did that guy just fall off that horse? <laughs> and at first, we were like, man, I hope he's okay. And, of course, we see he's there on the ground, and he's okay. And Ed's like, that's my horse, and that was my jockey. I was like, I'm sorry, Ed. Anyway, I don't know if you need to know that part of the story. It was just kind of funny. But anyway, everybody was okay. All was good. But I think about that, just that incredible animal and just how the proper apparatus within its mouth is going to guide it around that track. Many of you know that because you've worked with horses. Then, of course, you think about the huge, enormous ships and even the smallest of boats that we have here in Oklahoma and upon our lakes. They're still pretty powerful, even though those powerful bass boats that you have. And then there's that rudder that guides it along the way. You see the bit, the rudder, the tongue, they all have small parts, but they have the power to set things in motion and to accomplish really great things. And when you think about how the bit and the rudder operate, you realize they both have to overcome these opposing forces because there's a wild nature inside of those horses. Now, those horses are tamed and they're, they're highly, you know, they're just smart and, you know, they know what to do. Still, they have this wild nature inside of them, and at times they could work against that, just like the winds or the storm may work against that ship that's tr trying to travel across the ocean. And if not controlled, if that rudder's not controlled or that bit's not controlled, one could easily be let off course. And our tongues are the same. If we do not grow stronger in the maturity of our spoken words, we could easily be steered off course and be headed in the wrong direction. Now, church, you and I know this. We know that we have opposing forces working against us each and every single day. So we have to be responsible for the weight of our words. We have to be responsible in what we say because they help guide the direction and where we are headed and all the circumstances that are before us. I mean, think about these last, what, 12 weeks and think about what we've been through and think about all the words that have been spoken. Some of those words have been spoken in truth. Some of those words have not been spoken in truth. Some of those words have been spoken right now because of the injustice that we see. Some of them are spoken out of anger and frustration. There's all types of words that are being spoken right now 
now and we can sit back and we can even look at it for a moment and we can truly say that all of those spoken words out there, they are setting the atmosphere in which we live in in our nation right now. All of those words help set the atmosphere in which you and I live in. Now that's on the grand scheme of things, but let me bring it a little bit smaller. Can I tell you, this same concept starts with you personally. Because your words, I believe, dictate how your day unfolds. I believe there are a lot of people who don't live in peace because they have an issue with their words. And if we're going to come back stronger and we really want to walk in peace and joy and be a witness and be a light that shines, we're going to have to learn and we're going to have to grow and we're going to have to allow this word to correct us. There are a lot of broken relationships, not because of anybody else, but because of their spoken words. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of hurt because of the spoken words. There's a lot that goes on in your home, maybe even in your workplace, maybe even in the community we live. There's all of this going on, this bickering, this tension, and it's not because of anybody else. Perhaps it could be because we're speaking the wrong words. Because our words of anger and our words of frustration, they can guide us down a path that's going to be hurtful for ourselves and hurtful for everybody. So it is important, it is highly important that the church today rises up and says, God, give me words that take us down the right path. Holy Spirit, guide my words in my personal walk. Guide my words with my family. Guide my words with my church and in my community and those around me. It is highly important that we do so. So the question I ask is, how do we become more responsible in taking control? Well, now you can go to that next picture. Think about these illustrations. The bit controlling the direction of the horse is controlled by the hands holding the reins, while the direction of the ship is controlled by the hands of who's holding on to that ship's will. So get the picture here. When we yield our lives to Christ, we are allowing him to take control of the direction he desires us to go in. That's what saving faith is. Accepting Christ, knowing the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and now growing in that. Now you will always have free will. God will not speak for you but he will guide you in your heart. The Holy Spirit will help you take on that nature of Christ. And when you have a word that is not very healthy, if you'll stop for a moment, I promise you the Holy Spirit will show you that and help you to say it in a more better way. If you've got a word there that's just really hurtful and negative, and let me tell you, when I think about this message, my family knows this. Church, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you, okay? Because again, we have all been here, because some of you are like, Pastor, would you hurry up with this message? Because I'm squirming. I want to get up and leave, but it's too obvious. You'll know that you're talking to me right now. Our words are so powerful, but if we will just have that saving faith and be strong in that, allow the Holy Spirit to get inside of our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us within our hearts, that's what it means to allow Jesus to help us with the words in which we speak in our lives. Our prayer should be that of David's. If you go over to Psalm chapter 141 and verse number three, he says this, take control of what I say. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. God, help guide me in what I say. Help guide me. When we have that type of prayer, God will guide us in our words. We just have to rise up stronger and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
our words carry so much weight in our lives and in the lives of others. So I would say to you this morning, out of the adversity, out of the adversity that we have been in for these past several weeks and are still in, and, and facing just an ever-changing landscape before us as far as a spiritual landscape, a moral landscape, with all the things that are before us, may we, the church, come back stronger with our words. Amen? Now, let me go here just for a moment because James talks about it. He talks about our words of destruction. He goes from guidance, and then he shows us how destructive our words can be. So he talks about fire, and he talks about poison. Now, yes, fire can be purposeful in very many ways. Energy, power, refining, purifying, but James is not going in that direction. He is talking about the destruction of fire. We know that a small spark, it can grow enormously. We have seen the forest fires. We've saw, seen all the millions of acres that have been destroyed. I think it was last year, you know, we think about what happened in Australia. And of course, even here in our own nation with, with fires that go and destroy homes and millions of acres. We know that fire can spread and it can spread quickly and it's gonna devour everything in its path. And what James is telling us, we've gotta be cautious because our spoken words can do the same thing. And so he tells us, be responsible in that area. Proverbs has much to say about this. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20 says, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fight as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. Our words are like fire and they can go very rapidly and they can be very destructive. So we've got to take responsible, uh, responsibility for what we are saying or what we're typing or what we're writing out. He takes it a step further by comparing them to poison. If we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit, our words can be very toxic. And a lot of times with poison, poison works in a slow manner. You apply it. And then eventually, I'm thinking of weeds, I'm thinking of Roundup or something like that. You apply it, after a while, those weeds it will die out. Well, our words could do the same. How many times have spoken words been toxic that have destroyed relationships? Well, I'm not gonna ask you to answer me back here audibly, but think about it in your mind for a minute. Think about your own family and your own personal life. Let that circle go out a little bit further. I'm sure it wouldn't take us long to all be able to say, yeah, pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about. Words can be very toxic. Yes, we all make mistakes. Yes, we've all said things that, you know, we should not have said, but we've got to take responsibility because we don't want our words to be like a fire that's out of control, and we don't want our words to be like poison that are toxic to people's lives, that's toxic to their healing. I want my words to be words that are going to help guide, and this last point, words to give life, Right? words of life. You consider the last thing that he says here in this text. He talks about a spring. He talks about fig trees. He talks about grapevines. All of these produce life, and they are nourishing to an individual. Good for the body, good for you, good for your home, good for your church, good for your community in which you live. Words that give life. When you think about these verses, there's so much scripture that you could go to. Uh, when you think about uh, our words and water and the nourishment of water, you go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 11. It says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Proverbs 13, 14, the instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. Proverbs 18, 4, wise words are like deep water. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. So many scriptures. 
scriptures talk about how our words give life and give nourishment to one another. It also compares it to food. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for the lack of sense. I don't want to be a fool, but I want to be that one who gives life, who helps nourish others to help build up, not to tear down. So we know this church, our words, they can be life or they can be death. Proverbs, one more, Proverbs 18:21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I pray that as we come out of this adversity in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our homes, in every area of life, may we come back stronger and say, okay, because this is certainly a time when there's a lot being said and there's a lot that you and I probably want to say. Nowhere does he take away the voice of the people. Nowhere does he say, stop speaking. But what he does say is take responsibility for who you are because if we're going to be strong and if the church is going to be a light and if your homes are going to be healthy and if your lives are going to be healthy, you have got to take responsibility for what's coming out of your mouth and that all starts with what God is doing inside of your life and choose to speak words of life. Can I even go and say it like this? The words that you speak over yourself are highly important. And if you are always putting yourself down, then you're always going to stay down. If you're always looking at the negative side of things in your personal life, you are always going to be on the negative side of life. If you are at home and you're talking to your family and you're the one that's always just looking at the negative and looking at the things that's wrong and calling out everybody's faults, you are always going to stay there. And I want to tell you, there is absolutely 100% no peace in that. That atmosphere is going to be, it's going to be toxic, right? And so as we come back stronger and we, we think about this message, speaking personally to our lives, one of the areas I think that we need hit on right here right now is God help me with what flows from within because I want to speak words again that give life I want to speak words of faith I want to speak words of forgiveness of healing of restoration I want to speak words that God is great in every way. I want to speak words where people are built up. I want to speak words, yes, they may be challenging words, but as long as they are based on the truth of God's word, I want to speak words that help us. Here's what I love again about James's chapter right here is because it's pretty challenging. Because when you read it, you're like, ooh, okay, yeah. Because he holds, he holds nothing back, right? And I'm thankful because he's not trying to tear us down. These illustrations aren't given to us to tear us down. They're given to us because we can understand them and we can relate to them. So it is a challenge. It is a correction. And if the church would grab a hold of this, they were going to be much stronger than what they were. And that's what we want to be, right? We want to be stronger. I want my life to be stronger in Christ. I want the words of my prayers to be stronger. The words of my faith to be stronger. Because I don't want to just go through the motions because it's what we're supposed to do as the church. I want to speak words that are coming deep from within my heart. And when we say words of revival, then we mean that we want to see revival break out within our communities, right? When we pray words of healing, we're believing that there's going to be healing that takes place in people's lives. Our words are so, so powerful. There's a part of me that wants to give you a homework, but I'm not going to do that to you. 
I don't know if you do it anyway, but look back at just the last seven days and think about all the words that you've spoken and write down a couple of categories. Matter of fact, write the categories that you see here in James and start putting those conversations in those categories. What would it look like? But if you really want to know what's happening, allow God to give you just a really incredible self-examination of what's being said. Our words are powerful. Let's come back stronger in that area. As we get ready to pray, I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to trust God that he's going to do something awesome in your life. I hope you know this morning that your words carry a lot of weight. And I'll say it again. I have a strong belief that your spoken words, your typed out words, however you want to label it, your words play a significant part in the peacefulness that you have in life, in the abundance that you have in life, in the joy that you have in life. Your pastor knows this. I've had those days, and I spoke it early on, and at midnight, guess what I'm doing? I'm still thinking about those words. Because words that are not healthy will destroy you within, right? You think about them. You know, someone says they love you, Dale tells me all the time, I love you, brother, and I love you. That means a lot. It means a lot. But at midnight, we're not thinking about that. Even though they meant a lot, what do we think on? Those words that took us backwards. Let's speak words that take us forwards. And let's be stronger. Let's be honest with ourselves. So let's not be afraid to go where God wants to take us. Let's not be prideful this morning. Let's be challenged. Let's be changed. And let's be stronger in every area of our life. I'm grateful for this series that God has given me because it is so specific in dealing with the real areas of life. And when you deal with real areas of life, that's a good thing because that's what truly transforms you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for my church family that's gathered here and for my church family that's gathered online. I thank you for this morning because there's no doubt you're doing something significant in all of our lives. For those earlier that called out to you, I have no doubt that your greatness is being shown. For some, they were set free in that moment. For others, as the week unfolds, they will see that greatness at work in their lives and in their circumstance. Thank you for that. Father God, thank you for such a pointed and timely word that's been spoken to us today. I pray over, God, my entire church family here. I pray, Father Lord, for their minds, for their hearts, for what's going on within each and every one of them. I pray, Father, for your goodness the goodness of your character, the goodness of your nature. I pray that that's at work within all of us and it is changing us. That God, you're changing our hearts. You're helping us deal with every area and you're helping us, Father, be stronger. So today, as we specifically talk about our spoken words, I pray over, Father Lord, all of our people that got out of their mouths, God, would flow from their hearts words of life, words of peace, words of joy, words of comfort, words that build up, words that challenge, words that help us, God, move in a direction God, that is positive for our lives. So I pray over every individual, I pray over every home, and I pray, Father, that you would do just this awesome work in each and every one 
I love you so much. In Jesus' name, together we say, amen.